Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Hello and welcome along to episode three of the Howie Games. Three episodes, fantastic. This episode, well, it's probably one of the more extraordinary interviews I've ever done. Maybe even top three. Hang on, Dad. Pickle here. Guys, Daddy has been stressing about something called analytics. I don't really understand what that means. Either does he, I think. But basically, he looks at how many people are listening to the Howie Games. It's doing my head in. It's driving the big penguin crazy. So help Dad relax by subscribing to and rating the Howie Games on iTunes. So we can all take a chill pill around here. Peace out. Okay, enough from you, Pickle. Appreciate your little community service announcement. All right, episode three. Wow. The Fevolenko, the Fevolution, the big man, Brendan Favola. This is a man that has lived a life and a half. He's been one of the biggest stars in the world of Australian rules football. He won I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in Australia. He spent time in a mental health facility. And as he details in the Howie Games, he has lost more in one day on the punt than a lot of people earn in a year. I have the great pleasure sitting across from Fev, and it is a pleasure because he's just such a warm and friendly customer. We do a radio show called The Dead Set Legends every Saturday morning, and the Fev I know, well, he's besotted by his daughters, and he's very protective of the three girls, as you would imagine. He adores his wife, Alex. He's loyal, he's funny, he's generous, he's honest, he's extremely open, as you'll hear in this discussion, and if he wraps you up in a tackle or a headlock or the like, there is no getting away from Big Brendan. All right, here he is, one of the great entertainers. Brendan Favola. Well, look at the big man across from me. The big Fevolenko, Brendan Favola. Hey, great to sit down and uh, have a chat with you. I appreciate your time, mate. I know since you've come back from the jungle, things have gone crazy. You've become multimedia, so I appreciate you sitting down. Uh, no worries, chat, Howie. It's nice to slot you in and a little bit of a break I've got. Yeah, so <laughs> this is... Uh, <laughs> you're on fire. This is the Howie Games. Um, I'm getting various reviews on the name, but anyway. Um, Howie Games. Mm, what do you think? Sort of a bit of the Olympic Games, a bit of the Hunger Games. We sort of revolve around sport and people okay. involved in sport. Just the, the Howie Diaries. Oh, the Howie Diaries, I yeah. like the Howie okay. Diaries. Well, so you want me to change it no. already now? No, no, no. I like it. I I'm, with you. That. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's your thing, mate. I'm just here for the... Uh here for the uh, interview, Come and on, hopefully mate. we go all right, eh? You're the star of the show. There's no general plan here, but I've been doing a bit of reading about you, Brendan, <laughs> and it's... Well, I'm pretty sure you did say on air when I said to myself, um, I've got to get a little bit of dirt on how we obviously we do the Dead Set Legends <laughs> together, and... We do. I got nothing back. I reckon it was 15 to 20 people that I'd spoke to right. over a period of a week. And you got nothing. Not one story did I get about you. And then you go on air. Well, I spoke to one person <laughs> and got four years worth of content. And that's what we're <laughs> rolling with today. Well, that's the thing, mate. I, I, I've lived a life that I've loved, but I've lived in in relation to you a more uh, quiet life, I guess would be the way to say. And I, I'm fascinated by, by your life, Fev, because you... You were the biggest sports star in Victoria, where we are at the moment, for a while, Australia. and then, well, Australia, oh, as, sorry, Australia. Australia. No, I think Australia is probably fair enough. And then, you know, that things didn't go so well, and you you had a tough time. And then, uh, since the back of winning uh, Australia's version, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. You're back to where you were, but I. I've only really known you in this period since celebrity. You know, we knew each other to say good day, but you just, mate, you just look so happy. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that, Howie, because before Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, you didn't really talk to me. So well, That's not true, Brendan. And now as soon as I uh, win a TV show, you're like, I'm going to grab onto his coattails. <laughs> Are you getting a bit of that? Are you getting a bit of that or not? I can feel it. <laughs> no, obviously, you, you said it earlier, mate, you know, played footy from a very young age, and um, that's pretty much all I wanted to do, um, you know, from the age of, say, I think I was in year seven. Were you always really good at it? Um, yeah, I always was pretty dominant because I was forward. So I, we played in some pretty successful teams. I don't think we lost a grand final from under nines to under 16. So. And were you a big bugger then? Um, yeah, I was fairly tall, I suppose. Um, you know, I played with blokes like Shane Tuck and we had, we had a great team. Um, and so he'd kick a lot of goals, obviously. And when I realised, when I was smart enough to realise what was going on in year seven, I thought, well, if I can play AFL footy for mm. a job... Pete's going to work every day. <laughs> I'm hearing you, big day. So, um, <laughs> I'm hearing you. I pretty much didn't really put too much uh, emphasis on schoolwork. Um, what were you I, like at school? I could have been really good if I applied myself, yeah. but um, I knew I was going to play footy and get drafted. And you I got, knew? And I got oh, I knew. I knew I'd play footy. Yeah. Um, I think I made my signature in year eight, and I've still got that same <laughs> signature now. Which Just is, practicing it well, in year eight. That's a, confidence. A, a good friend of mine, Jackie Hatch, who used to do my homework at school, and she was my best friend. Hello to she, Jackie. She made the signature. And right. it used to be 23, but then obviously that was my footy number in in, uh, in junior days because Jordan, obviously, and um, loved him as a basketball. So I had the 23. And then when I got drafted to Carlton, I was 25. So that's the only thing that sort of changed. And uh, I got drafted in year 11. So I was doing my VCE. So my year 12, I... Um, was my first year of AFL footy, so... Do they blow up at school? Like, your name gets out in the draft, and does your schoolmates just go bananas? Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, at my school, we, we I went to Hallam uh, High for secondary college, but from 7 till 10 at Fountain Gate, uh, there was only 7 till year 10, so... Yeah. And there was three other campuses around the area so once you got to year 10 you went to a senior school campus which was the vce campus so we had four different schools joined together which was great really good um and so that was our vce so it was only year 11 and 12 so it was a a good school to be at and i was actually still i I did a function with david parkin a couple weeks ago and i was playing school footy on the wednesday and playing afl footy on the saturday really which was amazing because there was obviously no rotations back then so you're playing on the bench you know, being a new player, you'd only get 10, 15 minutes game time. And uh, then I was rocking up for the school on the Wednesday and playing and then running out in the MCG on the Saturday. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Wouldn't happen these days. No. But, um, yeah, so not a lot of emphasis went on school. I, I did do a lot of subjects at school, which uh, Carlton supporters taught. And um, <laughs> there was a few memberships and jumpers float, floating around there, Howie, and I got some really good marks, mate. <laughs> so it's funny because when you become a a celebrity especially a celebrity athlete mate people treat you differently so did you realize at, at what age did people start treating you differently than a normal joe blow at school um yeah i think it happened well, obviously with school because i don't have to do any school work yeah. so it, well, started, start, it started pretty early and it, like you even look back now you didn't realize it at the time but um you know i used to always have a hot dog and a can of coke before a game <laughs> when i was at juniors because that was just my thing <laughs> yep. um and when the canine lady said, don't worry, you can, you know, because you kick 10, 15 goals each week and she'd give you the free hot dog and can of Coke. You're like, how good is this? So that was the so first time. So it was like in the 13s it started. I'm like, <laughs> free but hot I didn't realise it then, but you look back on it now going, oh, yeah. you're starting to get stuff off the back of the truck already for nothing. And is that a good thing, mate, or is that a bad thing? Um, <clears throat> at the time, it's probably a good thing, but 
when stuff blows up, it's probably mm. a bad thing because you look back and then you don't appreciate things. But does anyone ever say no to you, Alex? Okay, that's about it. Right. She's the boss. Um, this is your, your yeah. A lot of people do, I suppose. Um, so it's not like you just breeze through life with everyone saying yes, because some people uh, have that theory that yeah, when if you just get AFL, told yes the yeah, whole time, when you're playing AFL. Um, you know, you get a lot. You get away with a few things, and yeah. I think I got away with a few too many things. And then, uh, when enough become enough, it was um, you know I got got the ass pretty much, got sacked. And then you sort of look back and you think, you know, that didn't go down that way. You might you might have been different. Um, and I, you know, talking about saying, you know, look, we didn't have a real good culture at Carlton. Um, you know, we breached the salary cap. We got a lot of players from other clubs that was sort of finished um a lot of young kids that were coming in and a lot of old players sort of left mm. um so we didn't have the structures that like a Geelong or a Sydney had at that time at West Coast um with really good leadership I think um you know Lance Whitnell was our captain and then he got the lemonade and sass and then it was up to myself or Steve-O to be captain and like we're not captains and um there was really no one else to captain and then sort of Juddy came over which was lucky but he sort of walked into a ship that was sort of sinking a little bit. And um, why do you reckon he chose it? We'll get back. We'll go back a little bit. Why, why did he choose it? Because if you're sitting in the inside thinking, "Oh, this is a ship that's sinking," he he, he was the first footballer, Chris Judd, that had teams laid out in front of him, and he and he got a bit of stick about it. He went and did the research, and he chose rather than the other way around, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I think uh, we both had the same manager. So my uh, ex-manager Paul Connors actually sat down with me because I was in negotiations maybe to leave as well. And I think Juddy wanted to play with me at full forward because he hadn't really played in a team that had a full forward. We obviously had a great midfield, or going to be a great midfield, so he actually saw the potential of us winning a premiership. And I think we probably would have nearly won one if I didn't uh, leave in 2009. It would have been pretty close. Like They almost made a prelim, got beat by the West Coast over there. So they were, they were thereabouts without a, a key forward kicking goal. So um, Juddy was pretty on the money with a... With a um, capabilities on the field but just off the field a few things weren't going right obviously um, you know with me and stuff so um, at the end of the day he probably made the right decision he won at Brownlow didn't he? Yeah my word he, mm, what, what's freak. it like Fevy when you're out on the MCG there's a lot of people play AFL football and very talented there's a few that are very good at it and then there's a select few that dominate it um, and I'm not taking the piss out of you here you, you dominated the game what's it like when you're out in the MCG and you know you're playing like you're under 18s and the rest of them are under 15s which is what it looked like you used to do at times yeah I think um, take my memory back we, we were playing Essendon one day at the MCG and um, I think we'll I don't know I'd kicked like a couple of goals in the late in the last quarter, uh, second quarter I think the 28 minute mark or something and I got my first two kicks and I think we were down by 60 points or 58 points or something and went in at halftime and I went to take my boots off because I thought that must be something going on. I was a bit superstitious and I remember our um, weights coach saying to me, you are better than every player out on this ground and don't worry about your boots. And he stood on them because I always liked them to be clean and he stood on them and just rubbed them and poured Gatorade on them. And I was like, what are you doing? Like I was <laughs> filthy. And he goes, just tell your brain it's not an issue. You're worrying about your boots, worry about what you're doing out there, worry about chasing, worry about tackling, worry about dominating. And I went out and um, I flicked some switches pretty much. And we came I love back that expression, flick and, switches. Uh, I kicked, ended up kicking eight for the day and we came back and I still think now it's the greatest winning margin that Carlton side's ever come back from. And um, our supporters were going ballistic. Like the Essendon supporters obviously had the first half and 
the the Carlton supporters that stuck around. I, I've I don't, I've never heard the MCG so loud when I've been playing a game. And what does that um, do to you? Yeah, what does it do uh, to you, you as an athlete? Up. Yeah, you just like you. It's like you're floating. It's is like it? it's not even real, and you can just hear the buzz around the ground. And especially when we came back from so much and we're kicking goals, and that roar when I take a mark and kick a goal, and all the other boys like I've watched replays of it, and all the other boys are just up. Everyone's up, and um, just the feeling that goes through your body is obviously amazing. And you do you do think you think. Wow, I've got this covered. Like I'm on. You're on today. You know when you're on, and it just keeps happening and happening. And I think that's a beauty with a forward. And you see that you know these days, you know, over a Rewalt or um, you know a Buddy Franklin or someone like that or a Gunston, if they get an early goal, you're on. Like a Taylor Walker, because mm. a forward needs that confidence. Because if you're not touching the ball early, you can obviously, you know, you just drift out and you get disinterested because the ball's not coming down. But if you hit the forward up early and they get an early goal. They're up for the whole game. It's all about getting the forward the first ball because they're, they're confidence. Forwards are confidence players, and when your confidence is up, you're on. So tell me about – you've told me what it's like when, you, when you're up and you're displaying, for want of a better term, you know, you're playing some genius football. You're playing football at another level on field. What happens off field in that stage where you're flying, you're one of the biggest names in the city, you're a dominant athlete – people are offering you probably more than hot dogs at this stage what, what's life like <laughs> what's it like then brother because nice, you, nice. you know the people listening to how it games they will never understand what this is like it fascinates me this yeah um i think people obviously try to take advantage and i wasn't smart enough to to be aware of what was going on and have you read tyson's book Ty- Mike, Mike Tyson? Tyson. No. Have a read Mate, I've got three books and I've never read one. They're probably all yours as well. You've got a few out there. <laughs> Sorry, go on, but he's an extraordinary example of what you're saying. Yeah. People just pillaged yeah. his life. Yeah, and at and the end of the day, whatever happens in your life, you're the sole you know, instigator of whatever happens, yeah. I suppose. So you've got to have a bit of, um, you know, you've got to have a bit of, what's the word I'm looking for? Underst- oh, not understanding. Knowledge of what's going yeah, on around yeah. you. It's it's hard because you're just in a bubble. You're mm. in a bubble. And, oh, yeah. um, when you get out of that bubble, like when I didn't stop playing footy, you realise when you're looking in, you think, Jesus, what have I done? Like, you're aware of it, but when you're in it, you're not. It's just like a roller coaster, and you just want to jump on and you're going for a ride. Um, and, you know, I think most players that that does happen to, you know, that bubble gets burst. Yeah. Um, and it's a long way down, I suppose. And when you do fall to the bottom, um, you know, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. We'll get to that because I, I want to talk about the good stuff first because there's so much of <laughs> Good it, stuff. Well, that might, but what, what, describe to me. Like as a perfect example yep. of, um, you know, my mum quit a job, um, has a really good job in the city to drive me to footy training because I was starting to play for the Stingrays and we Your were training name? down. Karen, Karen. And we were driving down to Morning Peninsula to train twice a week, training in the city, uh, training in, you know, Dandong Stingrays. So I couldn't get to training. So she quit her job, ended up cleaning houses and stuff to, to put food on the table because obviously Dad wasn't around at the time. Yeah. And um, she used to buy me every year without a doubt, my birthday is January 20th, she'd buy me a pair of brand new Air Max, I think they're like 250 bucks or something. And that was my Christmas present because I look cool when I go to school. You know, I got the new Air Max on because school obviously started a couple of weeks after, and yep. you know, early Feb or late Gen. And that was my Christmas, my birthday present from the age of I don't know eight or nine every year Air Max. So I had all the Air Max. And then when I went to Carlton, Nike came to me and wanted to sponsor me. Like Nike, like how good's this? And they were my sponsor for thirteen years, so I could get as much Nike stuff as I wanted. And I was like, Mum spent so much money mm. every year 
to buy me these and now I just get them for free. And it was just like, this is amazing. Like, and you sort of take that for granted. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, well, mum got me those. But now I can get anything I want. But you mustn't take it for granted at the start. It must blow your mind, Yeah, but it's just like you're back... park your car there and you end up the whole car's full of nike stuff it was just incredible like yeah just get whatever you want you got bang 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 you go in there once a month back the truck up but then they'd send stuff as well and you're like oh mate christmas time my family were getting that much nike gear <laughs> i was i've repaid mum one christmas and one birthday for all the birthdays she got me the, the nike air max but it's just things like that that just blow your mind like you know mum people have to earn so much money to to buy those and then you just get it given to you because you play footy it should work the other way where people that are less fortunate should be getting the free stuff and the people that are making the money should have to buy it uh, i don't know it's, well, it's like giving it tiger woods free golf balls yeah, isn't it it's yeah, crazy yeah it's ridiculous so is it is it a fun life mate when when you are the king of your domain for want of a better term is it um, fun it's fun obviously you know when you're playing footy i always relate it back to when you're at school like i love going to school you're with all your mates um and you mucked around and with footy it's like being at school um it's very similar you've got your principal at school you've got your coach footy training you've got your assistant coaches which were your teachers um and then you've got the pupils which are the players mm. it's exactly the same as being at school and <laughs> I, like the analogy. I was lucky enough to go out on a piece of grass every single day during the day while all my other mates were at work or digging holes i was kicking a footy around like that's what I loved and that was my job like can't get a better job than that and you're hanging out with 42 of your best mates then you go have lunch or you play table tennis and you have a meeting and it's very similar to school um and you just you know that's why some people say you know you don't grow up well if you're 20 I was 29 when I was still at Carlton and um you know they've got 17 18 year olds and you're hanging out with those guys so you're still because you try to be cool because you want to be the same Mm. like hanging out with these sort of guys Mm. and and, and, mate, it's just so much fun. Um, best job, doing something you love. And, like, I didn't even see it as a job. It was, like, it was my – it's what I loved. I loved playing footy, and I got to do that every single day, which was amazing. There's a couple of – Not uh, many people get to live that dream. No, they don't. They don't. I, I reckon – I don't know. What do you reckon? 5% of the population wakes up and thinks, i got the best job on the planet at yeah. the most, which obviously you did, which yeah. is fantastic. I don't want to get too footy-specific, but I, I guess a couple of things at, at – at the Carlton Footy Club and AFL Club here in Melbourne, there was times when you guys weren't going well. And like a lot of sporting systems, if you're not going well, it's better to finish at the bottom of the ladder because you get a draft pick. Now, that's that's the you know we have a, we have a, a lottery system in the states, etc. How did you feel at that time when there was a lot of talk, mate, about your footy club, whether it was trying to win games or not trying to win games? Um, yeah, obviously a pretty touchy subject, Howie. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day. You were going out there to try and win the game. Yeah, I was trying to win the game. I just stabbed myself with a pen in my nose. Um, I was trying to win the game. <laughs> oh, I was trying to win. Oh. The, <laughs> that really hurt. I was trying to win the games, and um, you know, other players were. But the the way the rules were put in place back then, mm. it's it, not that we did it, but it encouraged you not to win because you get a did. better draft pick. Of course it did. And it, it'd be stupid from an administration or a coach point of view to win. Mm. Because there's a big difference between getting one and two. Or it might not be. Two might be better than one. But you got more, you know, the percentages say that if you finish last, you're going to get a better If you don't player. finish in the finals in that system, you might as well finish last. You might last. as well finish last. There's yeah. no point finishing ninth um, because it's, it's irrelevant. Um, so if the, you know, the coaches did do that or the, the, the club did that, you know, you'd be all for it. Like, well done because it's going to benefit the club, you know, in the next couple of years. 
every time I played, I wanted to win. So I went out there and kicked snags, mate. Which you love. You love kicking snags. Love kicking snags. For those that don't know, it's goals. Um, Sausage rolls. I can remember the first time you sort of came on the public conscience on a a New Year's Eve you were playing uh, for the millennium, the old Y2K. It was Collingwood Carlton, an unusual time to be playing footy in this part of the world. I think, how many snags? Twelve. Twelve snags. And that was when the whole Favola, Fevolution, Fevolenko, it just went to a whole other level. That's when, I guess, the public became aware of this bloke from Carlton. Yeah, it was, um, as you said, a strange day to, uh, to play. Night on New Year's Eve, six thirty. Could have thought of better things to be doing, Howie. <laughs> I and, would have um, thought so. As a, how old were you? I was uh, eighteen. Oh, and, that's uh, really not working for yeah, you, brother. It really wasn't working for me. Jeez, it worked afterwards. I give you the tip. <laughs> I bet it did. Slot twelve. Jeez, I was. <laughs> I bet. Get me into that nightclub. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. There's the free hot dogs again. <laughs> yeah, there's the free hot dogs. Um, well, yeah, twelve goals was a yeah amazing. Um, it was just one of those days where you were just on. Mm. Um, you know, I played on some pretty good players too, so it was... Um, so did it change your life at that point? Yeah, it did. Um, probably f- not for the good because I hadn't really done too much beforehand and, you know, I was pr- still pretty lazy and pretty raw. How did you prepare that day? What did you have to eat that day before you I played? had two McChickens <laughs> and uh, I'd actually had a mate had a, a, a party that started at 12 o'clock down Helen Way. and Come uh, on, McChickens. And I actually had two cans of Jim Beam <laughs> at 12 o'clock and about 1 o'clock and then left to go to the game of footy. Because it was an answer cup yeah. game, it was relevant. Yeah, and uh, I got pretty hungry, so I went to the um, the what's the place? The McDonald's just down here, actually. Clarendon uh, Street. Clarendon Street McDonald's and got two McChickens and then headed to the MCG and kicked 12 and thought, Jesus, is going to work till the next <laughs> this two years. This is what I need, a couple of cans of Jim Beam. And a, <laughs> a couple of McChickens and it didn't quite work out the way <laughs> the Millennium game did. So um, it took me a while to, <laughs> to learn that wasn't a real good uh, routine. So, mate, Not uh, that I had Jim Beams ever again, but the McChickens I did eat before a game. It went... It went. Um, well, you had your times at Carlton, you had your up times, you had your down times. It, it all finished in a... I don't know... Yeah, how did it? How did it finish? Um, yeah. The, the, Before you answer that question, describe to me your personality. Uh, personality. Uh, I'm pretty easygoing. Yep. You'd probably agree with that. Yeah, very. Um, yeah, I'm just a bit of a get out there a little bit, bit of a character. Yep. Um, Are you an up and down style up and down operator. Style operator. So uh, why is that? Mostly up, but you do have your down times, I suppose. Um, but I'm just happy, mate. I'm always happy. Mm. I'm pretty always happy. And then um, sometimes it gets me in a bit of trouble because I've got a bit of ADD about me. So sometimes that takes over. What do you mean? When you it got, shouldn't. You, what do you mean you've got a bit of A? Well, I've got yeah, ADD. Can I ask you about so, this or not? Yeah. So explain that to me. Attention deficit yeah, disorder? So I, I'm in an ignorant position sitting yeah, across from you here. I, f- I find it hard to concentrate uh, for long periods of time. So just for if we had a meeting and it was went for an hour, like I'd... I wouldn't. I'd tune out because obviously I'd be fidgeting and just I just can't con- concentrate on a certain thing for a certain amount of time. Right. Um. I need to like do something. I need to be active. Like I'm always touching things. And yep. you See me in this. You'll see yeah. me in the studio. Yeah, I'm do. doing our show. And I'm, like it just it doesn't mean I'm disinterested or I'm not listening. I just need to occupy my time to something else while I listen. But I, I can obviously do a lot of things at the same time. So. Alex, my wife, always gets frustrated because she'll be telling me something pretty important about her work or something and I'll be on the phone or texting or doing something, but I can always listen. But I just need to be doing something else because I find it hard to engage. It's really weird. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to have. Like, uh, uh, even when I've always talk- had it? Yeah, when I'm talking to someone, I'll, sometimes I'll look away, but I can, like, I'll talk to them. Like, I do it all the time. 
but it's not that I'm disinterested. It's just that I just find it. I know it's 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 sort of a shy thing as well. Like yeah, which I'm not shy, but it, that's my sign when it's you know I, I feel uncomfortable. Well, it's funny, mate, because I, you know we've we've sat together in a radio studio now for two months mm. at, at Triple M on Dead Set Legends, and you know I was having a a, a light-hearted crack at the other day. We we're doing the show, and you were watching the NBA. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's perfect. Example. And it's like, mate, we're trying to do a show here. You, mm. you, you're, you're watching the Cavs, who you yeah. love, but yeah, you you seem to be able to roll it all into one package, yeah. though. Yeah, but that, that's a perfect example. So I'll be watching that, but hearing everything you're saying, and then I'll be able to still talk about it. But but it's bizarre to watch because you, but the, the, I, I want your attention at yeah. that stage, and I don't know if I've got. I guess that's yeah. what you're talking about. Alex is talking yeah. about. But you've, you've got it, um, and I think that's what because obviously I saw a psych and stuff, and he was saying it's actually a really good trait to have. Because you can concentrate on other things and still engage into what, so you can do different things at different times. Multitask. So yeah, multitask. So I guess as long as the people around you know yeah, that no, you've got like that they ability. Know what's going on, but um, it's a strange thing that, like, when we used to have meetings at the footy club and stuff, they'd be just like, even with footy games, like, you know, if I wasn't, the ball wasn't coming down, I'd just tune out, and I'd be just like, right, and then all of a sudden the ball would come down, I'd be on. So where do you go when you tune out in the middle of the MCG? You just go to another place. You just. I'd be looking at the crowd or talk to my opponent and he'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> are we talking about what they're going to get up to tonight? You know, if we're in a state, where's a good and, place and to go? And they're thinking that's a tactic. And they're but thinking that that's just me. Like, yeah, even okay. now when I play footy, I'm chatting away to the bloke I'm playing on. He's like, this bloke's not <laughs> Shut well. up, mate. You've uh, kicked I, I, in I, on I, me. Shut I, up. I played on a guy a couple of weeks ago and then I seen, um, I was Paul Chapman actually, an extra long player. And he goes, mate, I said, oh, the bloke I played on was a pretty good player. He goes, mate, all he said was all you wanted to do was be his mate. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you just didn't shut up. I said, yeah, I was just chatting away because that's what I do because I get bored. Um, yeah. And it is, it's a, it's a boredom thing. So it's all, always got to be active to, to end that. That's a really yeah. good explanation. Now I'll know when you're yeah. not looking at me that you're actually paying some attention yeah. to me. So my, it, it didn't win, uh, end well at Carlton. I don't think we need to really. <laughs> no, it was obviously the Brownlow and had a few too many to drink. But at the end of the day, like, it, um, like I left. Um, I don't think too much. It's in my book, but. Uh, we spoke about it. Some offers came to go to Collingwood. Carlton wouldn't trade me to Collingwood, um, obviously, because they were going for a premiership. They ended up winning a premiership anyway. Um, so I had massive talks with Eddie. Uh, Mick Mouldhouse, not going to fly to Queensland because I was staying in Queensland at the time. And then St Kilda, um, you know, wanted me to go there with Rewalt and Cozzy down in the fourth. Massive St Kilda supporter as a kid. Um, but I had to take a pay cut, so I didn't want to go there. Because obviously I was on pretty good coin. Because you wanted more money, or because you wanted to know that you were on the most money. Well, I was on money, so I was on. I'm not going to take a. I was like a five hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Give me an idea of that. Can you? Can I ask you sort of what sort of figures we're talking here? Well, I was on nine hundred at Carlton for the next two years. Nine hundred thousand bucks, um, and they wanted me to peel off four hundred. So it's not going to happen. When is it, it goes into your account. I've asked a couple of Formula One drivers this, and they're like, oh, you don't even think about it. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton on his 72 million is a bit more than 900. <laughs> but 900 for doing something you absolutely love. Yeah. You know, that, that's the top 0.1% of the population. Do you look at your bank account ever and go, geez, they're paying me 900 grand to play footy? Yeah, so when it goes in each month, you have a look and go, whoa. That's, yeah. That's Do nice. you go, whoa? Yeah, well, if, even with my first pay packet, I was on 20 grand a year and I got just got drafted and I think it was like $1,700 went in and I was working at McDonald's, mate. I was on like $5.90 an hour. Yeah. And I'd work 
like 40 hours a week. How many hamburgers were you knocking back? Oh, I'd knock back a few McChickens, <laughs> mate. And then I'd get paid, and it wouldn't even be like it'd be 120 bucks or something. Yeah. And, like, and then when I go footy, my first pay was like 100, was 19, 1700 bucks or something, which was amazing. But and then obviously um, Brisbane came to me on the Thursday, back talking back back when I when I left, and they offered me three years. At, I think it was 3.6 mil. So, two million bucks a year. So I uh, thought that's nice. <laughs> Obviously, Alex was pregnant at the time with our third child, and go up to Brisbane and just let everything. Look, I went there thinking, oh, yeah, fresh start would be amazing, but obviously it didn't work out too well. But you know, crystal ball <laughs> probably wouldn't have left. But went up to Brisbane. That was my decision, and um, you know, probably the only gr- regret I have ever had was get, was leaving Carlton. Yeah, right. And still sits with you now. I think. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well. It, but it's it's funny though because because it, sticks did ring me on the Thursday and say mate we're not trading you um, you know come back when you kick the first against Richmond Thursday night round one everything will be forgotten but I was like you've put me up for trade can't go back you know let's just break it here but and you wish I had I wish I had gone back yeah there. right yeah still flattens me now yeah still flattens me now but at the end of the day things happen for a reason and uh, I made that decision and. I've got to live with it. But look at the spot you're in now, mate. So yeah, who, sitting who next to you. you go. Exactly. You know, you've, Boom. Hit, you've hit the massive big time Jackpot. now, brother. <laughs> Don't worry about your 3.6 for three years. Time for a short break from Brendan Favola on the Howie Games, but don't worry, plenty more of Fev still to come. I just want to give you a little tease. I'm that excited about episode four, so please subscribe on iTunes and you will get the Howie Games every Thursday. You can't miss it if you subscribe because next week is an episode with a true international sporting superstar. I hope you guys love it as much as I did doing it. This man has captained the West Indies to two T20 World Cup victories. He is cooler than cool. He's now got everything. He's a very rich man. He's been very successful. But Darren Sammy, who you'll hear from next week, it makes me smile saying that name. He's such a ripping fella. This is a man that came from absolutely nothing. Here's a bit of Darren Sammy from next week's episode of the Howie Games. My mom always ensured that she made us understand that, you know, be content but with what you have. But that doesn't mean that you cannot aim to be better because you could always be better in life but don't be greedy don't be 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 content so yes i didn't have the best shoes but you know every day we found something to eat there was something on the table whether it be the dry bread with water or you flour and milk Mm. we found something to eat we survived Darren Sammy. He has got an amazing story to tell and lifts the lid on a lot of the things that have been happening behind the scenes in recent years in West Indies cricket. That is episode four coming out next week on the Howie Games. Time now to go back to Brendan Favola. So you go up to Brisbane, I guess it's, um, I don't know, sometimes you just got to ask people questions. So you, you and alcohol firstly, was it, is it, is it not a good mix, mate, or is it... No, I don't really know too much what happened at Brisbane. Um, like the first... We, we well, the, the stories the stories revolve around alcohol and the punt and, buddy, I, I didn't realise any of this until I was reading about psychiatric hospitals. We're getting into some pretty serious yeah, stuff. Yeah, I went here. there. That was... Um, so what happened, I went up there. We won the first four games. And it was flying. You flying. and Brown, the combination. And this... we both got injured in Sydney at the SCG round five. And then, um, you know, I started getting on the punt, which has got nothing to do with footy. Um, Can I ask you about the punt? Yeah. So when you get on the punt, it was... Um, is it something you've always done? Had a few bets here, a few bets there? Yeah, always had a bet, yeah. Right. But... Uh, I got injured, so it sort of got a bit uh, out of control. Okay. 
Mark. Can you explain that to me? You don't have to, mate. So you had a book. I had a. Uh, you, you don't had, have to, mate. I had, had bookies, and um, you know, so I think, so Alex ended up leaving me with, and the kid, like left with the kids. Um, so I won. I started with this bookie. I had two grand start of the day, and by the end of the day, I'd won three hundred and sixty grand. By the You're end of the day. freaking kidding me! So I won three hundred. I was on fire. I couldn't miss, and I was hitting I, about two in the morning. We were betting at Hong Kong o- on horses, and I'd had a few, on horses. Yeah, I'd had a few drinks. So two grand into three hundred sixty-five. Three hundred sixty. I think it's three hundred sixty-five or eight thousand dollars. I won, and then. Now, but hang on, because I because I sold Alex. Oh, go on, go on, go on. That I've won, won all this money, so we try to get it out the next day with a bookie, but you're not allowed to get it out to the Monday, and this is obviously a Thursday now. So I had to wait till Monday. And, you know, when you're a gambler, you want to bet it. So by Sunday, I was 20 down. I'd lost it all, and 20 down. Then Alex left. So, so that's it, I'm out. You lost 385 grand in three days? Yeah, three days, yeah. Give me a Chasing the tail. What type of size bets are we talking? Um, what's, your, what's your biggest bet you put on? Something? 100 grand, I think I put on... Piss Bang off. and it got and it got beaten by a nose. It was like a the longest photo of all time, and then I went fifty, and then you just try to chase. So I think I lost it in like four or five bets, where it took me all, like a long time to get it up, and it was just gone. Well, I think that's the thing with gambling. Like you, you build it up, and then you go big bet and you lose. So what's you're never going to win. What's a, now, as I said at the start, I've lived a, a life I love, but it's you're, she's, she's looking real boring now <laughs> compared to you. Okay, it's you, not even you, funny. You put you put a hundred thousand on a horse. Don't worry about the thought process. Tell me about watching the race. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I actually I actually didn't even watch it. I listened to it in the car. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. Oh. I, well, they said it was going to win, and then uh, <laughs> they said it was going to win. It was on home, the and then something uh, pipped at it, the, so and it literally was like an inch, mate. Like I watched it, I looked at the photo, and it went for about ten minutes. The photo it went for a long time. What was it paying? It was paying. Uh, it was paying two dollars ten. So you're up to two hundred ten grand. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, that was like I would have been nearly five hundred grand. And the result of the photo it comes through and says the. I reckon I would have nearly stopped at half a mil. I thought I would have chucked my phone in the lake. You nearly would have, or you would have. I probably would have. Yeah. Because I wanted to get it up to half a mil. There's those moments in life, oh, isn't right. there? Oh, it's, it's, things happen for a reason, I suppose. And so, mate, what, what, they come through and uh, you haven't won. Can, can you remember the feeling of I've just dropped a hundred grand on a horse race? I not? don't think it really bothered me too much because right. I still had money in there. So I was like, I'll get it back. Yeah. And then once I'd lost it, I was like, oh, it's not good. But it's hard because it's like it's 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 hard to explain because as a when you were gambling, it's not like you actually have the money. It's there. It's like you ring up and it's phone. And it's not like you're exchanging at like 50, 10, 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. It's not like you're actually putting it over the counter. It's just you ring up and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. Do you still punt now or not? No, nah, no. Nah. So you just went bang on oh, doing Like that? you have a punt with, with the boys. I've got a punters club that I'm in. It's like we actually don't even put any money in. We've, we've won a fair bit of coin, so we just every week we just put a bit of a multi on. So you don't you don't have an account and you think, oh, geez, no, I'll just so you no. just shut it down, yeah. cold turkey. Yeah. Mate, that's a, that's a yeah, freaking so, lot of money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's in my I, Yeah, it is in my book. I've spoken about it before. But, yeah, so that's um, that end of that. And then um, had a pretty good pre-season the end of that year and got sort of back on track and went out on a New Year's Eve and we got pretty pissed and... Um, Got arrested for jaywalking. First time I've ever been arrested. And um, for jaywalking, there was ten Brisbane Lions blokes walking across. Of the, all the, the road. things they could have got you for, know, they got three, you for jaywalking. Three, three o'clock in the morning for yep. being, and then when they put me in, they said obviously being drunk. So three o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve, 
pretty stiff to be the only bloke drunk. I would have thought so. <laughs> anyway, so I went to the watch house in Brisbane and then my manager came and picked me up at 6 in the morning or 6.30 and I actually went and ate Chinese. They said, what do you want to do? I said, I was hungry. So I went and got black beef and black bean and some rice, <laughs> which is random, and two fried dim sims. And then they took me into a new farm mental hospital and they were supposed to put me in there for a week just to so it all blows over. And, uh, Who's they? Brisbane Footy right. Club. And then it ended up being in there for close to 70 days. So uh, Brisbane sacked me in there. Rossi came in and, and sacked me about... Uh, two months in, I reckon. So I started training when I was in there and doing some running with one of the trainers and, um, you know, went out to the park and started to get fit again. And then, um, yeah, Vossi came in and sacked me when I was in there and probably the best thing that ever happened to me, I suppose. What's going on in a, in a place like, as I said, mate? It's is... not well, mate. It's um, And the thing was, when you're in there, it's like um, you see some really sick people and yep. some um, people that have been institutionalised for a long time. And So you're picturing yourself as completely different from these people? Well... You know, you're on a lot of medication. So at the time, I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? Like, I didn't really know what was going on for the first couple of weeks. Because you had stuff in your Cause system. Yeah, because you're, you're on the medication. Like, I was on mental pill, like some pretty harsh stuff. What's that meant to do to you? What's the theory behind it? I don't know. I don't know. Do you have Alex, any choice in it? Do you want to no, Can, can I you didn't. say, I don't want to take no. Because you see those movies and it's oh, like, right, there's your two you, pills, you take them. You literally got to line up. It's like what you see on the movies. Is you it? line up and they, you put the pills in your mouth and you drop them. And then you go to bed and you just... And I think um, at the time, Alex was saying that I'd repeat myself like 15 times a day. I'd say the same thing to her. And she was like, what is going on? Um, but anyway, I, I met a lot of people in there and they, their stories, I'm just like, mate, you got a man up here. Isn't, you're kidding yourself if you're right. in here. And uh, it really did change my life, I suppose, being in there. And I come out and went back and started playing footy at Casey. And I think I rolled out at, a, at 128 Ks. I went in there at um, 99 so all the cereal and all the crap that they were giving me put on a lot of weight. So I went down to Casey and had a really good second half of the year and thought about maybe playing footy again and um, yeah, ended up playing up at Yarrawonga, which was good. Just a couple of questions I want to ask you about that. You said there that uh, what are the pills meant to do to you? What, like what's, um, what's that meant to do, mate? I don't know. I think it's supposed to just... Um, obviously, they thought I had some issues. Yeah. So they, they give you the medication and then you're in there and you're obviously detoxing from whatever you're in there for. And then it hopefully just makes you get over it. Um, I didn't quite understand why I was in there for so long. But was it scary? It was pretty scary, yeah. So you have all these different categories where, you know, f- um, category four was your on 24-hour surveillance because of your suicidal. So when you first go in there, you're on there for two weeks. So that I wasn't was, you, though. So I was, I was under category four for because everyone has to. Whoever goes in there is on that. You, you no weren't feeling what. that way, though. No, nah, but everyone was on that right, no matter that, what. That's your starting point. That's just point. your starting point. And then you go down to three, which is... Um, yeah, the, the nurses are 24-7, but no video surveillance. Then you go down to two, which is you can get around the place and, and be active and, um, you know, the, the nurses come in every couple of hours and then there's one where you can actually go out um, of the men's, of the clinic and, you know, you can go out the, went out for lunch a couple of times with the boys and, and just went out to the park and did some runs and stuff. So I got down to one pretty quick, <laughs> which was cool. which was good. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people in there that are pretty, very sick. Um, so it was, um, yeah, an interesting place, mate, but um, better person for it. No doubt. No mm. doubt. Um, well, it's blown your way, though. <laughs> well, it has. Mate, I've lived a really bloody boring life now. Mm. Um, 
let's skip forward. Let's skip forward. <laughs> like, like, uh, let's get back on to the good stuff, mate. Well, you know, I'm a positive guy, and I like to look at the good side of it. I think you know that. I think when we yeah. talked about our radio show, oh, well, the first thing I said the, is, let's be positive. Of, um, you know, talking about, you know, I'm going to talk about my life and stuff. That that's a big part of it. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not afraid to or embarrassed to talk about it, and you know. Some people end up in this position and um, at the end of the day, I feel stronger uh, having been there because the problem I had was not talking about things. So, you know, I had depression. I didn't even know I had depression. I got um, diagnosed that in there. And then once I look back now, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I was. Like, I, I know the signs now. Um, but I never spoke to anyone about any issues and I built it all up inside. So, you know, I very rarely drank. Like, during the week and stuff, it would be after a game, occasionally I'd go out but then at the end of the year, you just smash beers because that's what you did. That's the culture you're in. And then everything would stuff up because I'd just let everything out because it was all building up, building up. And, um, you know, once I realised that, you know, you've got to let your loved ones know what issues are going on, life's a lot easier. Yeah. And it's um, a lot of males have that, uh, you know, built inside of them that they're, oh, I'm too big and tough. I can't say that because they'll think less of me and I won't have a friend and... You know, they might not be mates with me, but at the end of the day, once I told people, I lost a few mates, but I got um, become mates with people that I didn't really know that were mates because they wanted to be there for me and they wanted to help me and they were giving me a shoulder to cry on and they were there when, no matter what I did. And uh, it was just such a weight off the shoulders once you tell people stuff. So, you know, whoever listens to this and, um, you know, you've got some issues, don't be afraid to ring up or ring up somewhere and just tell them and let it out because at the end of the day, you're better off for it, your family's better off for it, and your mates are better off for it. Because if no one knows what's going on, no one can help you. That's heartfelt advice, isn't mm. it, mate? It's, so is it, is it... Do you still struggle with depression or you well, had yeah. so many issues at that part in your life that it caused... These are ignorant well, I had questions a lot, again. I had a lot of issues. Um, you never really get over it. There's sometimes when, you know, the last couple of years I was living up in Yarra and I was just sitting on the couch and I was playing golf and going through the same thing. I thought, oh, shit, I'm getting back into this little rut that I was in. But, um, you know, I kept myself – got to keep yourself busy. And I'm the sort of person that I need to be busy. Um, and, you know, post-jungle, um, I've been flat out, yeah. which is good. I haven't had time to be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been flat out. So, it's, um, yeah, it never goes away, but it's it's not here. Yeah, which is good. Um, yeah. You talked about the relationships and, mate, it's... Like, I I was talking to a former teammate of yours, Jake Edwards, who suffered some serious serious issues in this, and I I just kept saying to him, it's hard to ask these questions because it's... But when you have no understanding about something, it's hard to to ask questions about something. It's like me asking you about speaking Arabic. It seriously is like that for me. Yeah. Mate, you can ask me anything, mate. I'll let you know. Or, How does that sound? Or I think boom. That's that's a good way of going about it. Or you talk about there's something you mentioned that you know your your beautiful wife Alex, who's been a, a constant part of your life. Um, and these are not prying questions. You, you got three beautiful daughters. I got a young family, and uh, I'm a pretty level type of guy. If all of a sudden I wasn't with my children, I got no idea what that would do to me. Yeah. I, I guess anyone is in a situation where if things go badly enough for the things they really care about it can send anyone into a, a tailspin for want of a better term mate. yeah alex has been amazing um you know everything that i've put her through um and to be like even when i was up in yarrawonga and you know all that gambling stuff and you had to pay back all this stuff and and she was the one person even though we weren't together 
she was the one person that stood by me and helped. But I was driving her car, her little RAV4, which was a beast, <laughs> and she was paying for it and I was driving it. We weren't even together. Like, so this just, is a beautiful, beautiful yeah, woman. She just wanted the best for me and was helping me along the way. And, um, you know, obviously we're back together now. But even when we weren't, we didn't, weren't together for, you know, a long period of time. And she was like she was supporting me she was helping me through everything um you know whether it would be financially or you know just advice about stuff and work and she'd be the only person that would help and your girls mate they yeah they're amazing and um so i always, she always i love this question because yeah. you ask someone about their kids and immediately yeah, your bang, face just up lights about. up um yeah so me is 16 lenny's nine turning 10 next month and lenny uh, lulu is six and you know through that whole time in yarrawonga um you know, I could see them whenever I'd drive down two or three times a week and hang out and they'd come down to Yarra. They loved going to Yarrawonga. And the innocence of kids, you know, like Lulu just thought I was in Yarrawonga because I played footy there. Which <laughs> So when I come back, you know, late last year, she's like, I'm so glad you don't play for Yarrawonga anymore. I do love Yarrawonga, but I'm glad you don't play in that footy team so you can be home. <laughs> just so innocent. And I'm like, oh, it's good. you know, it's so good to be back with the family and, you know, such so good for the kids to, you know, see us happy because a lot of, you know, early early days, you know, mm. um, you know, it wasn't, you know, all... They, they forgive anything now, they kids, don't yeah. they? Like, they and forgive anything. But they love being up in Yarrawonga as well. So, um, you know, they're beautiful kids and, you know, Alex has raised them really well. And lucky enough, they're all pretty much like her, which is good. <laughs> You're getting that. We were talking the other day that your daughter, your 16-year-old, was going out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I got the shotgun, mate. Yeah, so, I I don't know. Like, I yeah, talk well, about, you, I talk about this with Erica and, you know, my daughter's six and I'm like, there, there's no bloke w- good enough. There is no, no bloke good enough on the planet. No. And, or, or, you know, you, you used to meet dads and you'd be a bit of a smart ass. you think, oh, why doesn't he like me? Well, now you know because you're just a dirty, filthy boy. Yeah, but 100% Howie. Oh, you yeah. see that when uh, they put a one in front of that six oh, and they're uh, going God. out to parties and they're like, oh, come pick me up at 12 o'clock, Dad. And you're like, I'll be, I'll be at the party. Don't worry about me coming to pick you up. I'm there. Behind you, I'm, beside I'm, you. I'm, I'm going to be the security. <laughs> Hang on, fair big penguin here. Please send Daddy on a message on Twitter or Facebook at MarkHow03. That's my daddy. Tell him what you think about the Howie games. Did you miss episode two with Danny Green, the green machine? I hope not. It was epic, especially the men- mundane stuff. I went back to the to the to the change rooms and I um I cried, but I didn't cry because I lost to Anthony Mundine. I waited till I got back to the change rooms and I waited there and waited till the doors were shut and then I you know then I, I kind of I broke down, but I broke down for not because I um you know lost a fight and I was going through a lot. My family going through a hell of a lot at that stage. You know my brother had, had lost his daughter um, you know eight weeks before the fight. His four month old four month old daughter Sophie didn't wake up one morning. So you know. That really puts it into perspective, mate. It kind of, it happened before the fight and uh, I didn't really give two f**ks about losing a fight or winning a fight. It's a pretty emotional, open and honest Danny Green in episode two of the Howie Games. Go back and have a look at that or the Adam Gilchrist episode. Time now to go back to Brendan Favola. So, mate, what were you doing uh, before you went into the, the jungle? 
you were you were spending time back with your family. If 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 you'd walked into a pub then and I said, "Oh, g'day, mate. My name's Howie," and you like, "Oh, g'day, mate. My name's Fev." You wouldn't what, know me. You'd, you'd only what, what do you do for a job, Fev? What would the answer be um, at that stage? I've been working at CGR Sportswear, which is yep. an apparel company, and we uh, we got the sole license for you know country Victoria shorts, and right. obviously we do jumpers, apparel, you know, off field stuff, hoodies, uh, tracksuits. We do uh, school uh, school wear and all that sort of stuff. So I've been working there for probably the last two years, two and a bit years, which is great. Um, Tanya and Patrick out there at uh, Thomastown, their factory is. And I'm sure so you that's get, good. I'm sure you're getting well paid there. But again, how do you go back to Mr. Normal? How do you go from 1.2 a year to Mr. Normal? Um, or is it well, just money's not really in it. That, that doesn't money obviously <laughs> doesn't right. really bother me yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, and then also working for Alex's sister's work, um, transport project management, which uh, we're dealing freight. And um, so I've been working with her for about eight months, nine right. months before I went to the jungle. So I was juggling those two jobs, which is good. I'm still doing them now. So um, yeah, you're a loyal character. It. Yeah, enjoying that time that I have because it takes me. It's sort of. Like with the apparel stuff with CGR, like I'll go to footy clubs and ring up and um, mate, I'll talk on the phone for twenty minutes about what their club or what I've done and uh, to their president or their but treasurer. But they love getting a call from. And They're then love getting it. It'll be two minutes you. about the apparel and right. then we'll, we'll see you Away later. There we go. And um, it's the same with the transport. I go out and uh, drop the cart off and go into a, a factory or a workplace and speak to the peoples at B and get a couple of photos and hopefully organise a nice lunch and then Tony will come in, who's the boss, and she'll nail the deal hopefully and we can get some work. So it, it works out really well and I, I thoroughly enjoy it, which is good. So you pick up the phone at one stage and Network 10, who have a, have a show in Australia, obviously it was a rip-off of the UK, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, where you go to South Africa, you hang out with a bunch of other celebrities for weeks and weeks and weeks and everything gets filmed. And weeks. And weeks. So you, you take the call and you're like, well, are you, is this serious? Is this something I want to do? What do you think? Yeah, I uh, got the call probably probably this time last year, June or July, Um and I just wasn't quite sure. I didn't think I'd be able to do it. That was my issue. I thought, oh, I, w- I actually watched the series last year and bored them. <laughs> yeah. I get bored. Um, well, so this is the opposite of what yeah. you need, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I could put myself in that position to be, you know, in a jungle for, and if you last, it's nearly 50 days. So it's a long time. and um, Sitting on your ass. And then Alex is like, you got to do it, hon. Just do it because it, it obviously started in, um, late January um, and then finished like I think it was a week before the footy season started so if I made the whole way I'd lose weight because I wanted to lose weight and I'd go straight into footy and that period of time I didn't really wasn't really doing anything from that you know those first couple of months of the year sort of when footy season starts is when work p- sort of picks up mm. so I was like this is perfect go in there I lose weight because I was 121 kegs when I went in <laughs> ended up losing 17 and uh I won't get too bored because there'll be people around and I didn't realise how boring it was when I was in there but it was really meant I didn't think I was that mentally tough to tell you the truth when I did go in there and obviously knew Warney was going in which was great mates with Warney knew Havana um, but everyone else I had no idea about so uh, made some amazing friendships did some things that I never thought I'd ever do um, and it was really the opposite to what I thought you know I thought I'd get bored and wouldn't like it but when I was in there I had a lot of time to think about things because, you know, you've got eight hours at, you know, if you go off the trial, it's 12.30, 9.30 Melbourne time, 12.30 in the afternoon up in South in South Africa, and you'd sit there at eight o'clock doing nothing, just on your fart sack, <laughs> laying there doing nothing. 
and you had this is every day so uh, I had a lot of time to think and like I didn't miss my phone I didn't miss mates and all that sort of stuff I, I that was the little things like laying next to Alex and waking up in the morning and getting a coffee or taking the kids to school mm. like you take the kids to school and you drop them off come on, get out quick I've got stuff to do but dad walk me in and you're like oh okay I'll walk me in but I missed walking my kids into school I missed seeing their little faces saying can we go for ice cream after school it was just the little things that really get me happy that I missed um, and just think about decisions you made in the jungle I was just sitting there going maybe I'll do this better maybe I'll do that better when I get out I should do that I mean, I've done that that time and that didn't work so I had a lot of time to reflect on pretty much my life and it was life changing you know when people go on these shows like, oh, I was life changing oh, yeah. and you think you're an idiot it actually was it really was life changing and I think there was a per- well, I think we were in there for 14 days or we'd been in there for 16 days it was Valentine's Day and the girls had written, Alex and the three girls had written a little bit of a poem for me. And I was the first to bloody get my heart thing. And I stood up and I was bawling my eyes out. I'm like, I watch those shows when people cry and I'm like, oh my God, you're <laughs> soft, blah, blah, blah. How can you be possibly crying? But you don't know until you're in that position. Like it's been 16, I haven't spoke to, I've never gone a day without speaking to my kids or seeing them. Um, you know, let alone not speaking to them on the phone. And the raw emotion that I had was like, I miss them so much and you just you take things for granted when you're when you're just living your life and this and that but when you get stuff taken away uh, from you you really appreciate it and I just had a lot of time to think and I stood there and cried and just missed my family so much and because I'd been away from them for two and a half years and I just sort of got back home and then I got taken away again I was like oh but knowing that they were watching me and um, I just wanted to make them proud and I think when they came into the jungle with the final three, Alex sat next to me, which was great. They got to come over. The kids were surprised. I didn't know they were coming over. And uh, we sat down on the bed and Alex said, "Hun, like I didn't think I'd make it to the end, let alone win. She said, I'm so proud of you. And I nearly started crying. I'm like, I've never heard her say that. No matter what I've done, um, she's never said she's proud. And even my 16-year-old daughter said she was proud. And that was the, the icing on the cake for me. It was made the experience so much, you know, made it worth it i think i'm meant to make you cry now you're, you just got me <laughs> well, cry, that's just mate. how it was it was just like, i've never heard her say that before it was amazing and i just looked at her and we're in friggin south africa we've got cheetahs and lions mm. and baboons and black mumbas all sitting around us and i stink i haven't had <laughs> haven't had a good feed for 50 days and i've got my partner going i'm proud of you and i'm like like it was amazing mm. and then you come home, mate, and I guess people know what they read. So the average punter on the street, especially non-Victorians, like, oh, this Favola, he's the bloke that lost all the money, ended up there. He got, that idiot he got the brown Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like this is just a man who has had some ups and downs. He loves his family. He's warm. He's funny. He's generous, and he's just... A good fella. Do you feel that now you get back? Do you get love on the street? Yeah, I think the the main reason I did do that show was to... It was a great platform for me to let people see the real me, I mm. suppose, when the media can write a lot of stuff in the paper and you've got no rebuttal. So, you know, you just got to write it out and then um, you cop it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but on the show, like you can't not be anyone else on there. You've got to be yourself because it's freaking 50 days. 24 hours yeah, a day. 24 hours a day. You are who cameras, you are. You are. I, I, and Alex said, just be yourself. People will love you. And if they don't, 
you'll get voted off. It's good advice. <laughs> Real early. It's good advice. <laughs> and I used to sit there and I'd think about it every day. Oh, and all when there was an eviction, oh, I haven't got voted off. They must be liking me. If I got voted off, I'm like, oh, they mustn't like me. That was always going through my mind, and um, you know. It was I just it was just wrapped that people got to see the real me and people that I've I've known for a long time were like, I'm so glad everyone got to see you and I've got people coming up to me saying, Is that what he's really like? And they're like, Yeah, I've been telling you this for like five years. This mm. is the person he is. Um and obviously I love my family, love my kids and you know, like kids now these days wouldn't even know that I played footy, like the footy was gone. And now I've got kids coming up at like the school, like my kids' school, going, "Oh, the king of the jungle! Did you have to eat that rat? Did you eat <laughs> that?" And it's just like, remember when you farted on the fire? Oh my god! I'm like, the demographic, and I've got older ladies coming up, going, "Oh, I bagged for Collingwood. I used to hate you. I bagged for Essendon. And I hated you, but now I love you, and I've seen you, and you're amazing." My whole family used to sit down and watch. I didn't realise how many people bloody watch the show. Yeah, a lot, mate. And it's amazing, and it's opened up a whole new demographic um, for me, obviously, because. No one sees me as that footy player anymore. Like I'm, you know, working on Fox FM in the mornings and um, and you know, going beautifully. Yeah, mate. from Monday to Friday, which is great. And that, their sole demographic is female and kids. You know, it's the mums that drive to school, and um, you know, I used to drive the kids to school as well. So I'd be listening to that show, and now I'm on it. Like I never thought that this would happen, and you know, probably got the best job in the business on a Saturday morning from nine till twelve with Mark Howard. Dead set legend, Dead set legend. Triple DSL triple. Well, we have a bit of fun. It's, yeah. it's funny that, isn't it? Because yeah, we we knew each other, but there was a change, and uh, and you're the you're in there beside me. And it's like you get to know each other while you're on air. Yeah. You don't you go. It's not like we went out for six meals beforehand, and I knew about you, and you knew about me. You actually begin to understand a person while everybody's listening to your conversation, yeah. which is bizarre. Which is amazing and um, not to piss in your pocket, but you've been amazing because you go into a show and you like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing Monday to Friday. Mm. But, you know, with Fifi and Dave, they've been so great and we're sort of that connection sort of happened and it's made me feel comfortable. It's made me be me and especially with you sitting there and, you know, you've had a few other co-hosts, but, you know, this is your show and you've come in and you're like, you're so, it's, it's amazing. Like, you just make me feel so welcome and, um, you know, you let me say what I need to say and you say what you want to say and it just, it, it, it works and um, you can't have that if you don't have a good host like yourself. So I appreciate that, mate, which is good. So... That's, cut. That's nice. No, 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 no. I'll just get you to pump <laughs> me up a little bit more time. before we cut. So where to from here, mate? Where to from here? You, you're now, you, you're back with your, your beautiful wife. You, your kids are going to that next stage in their life. They'll be off to uni or wherever now. Where, where what's the next five years for the bloody great Fevelenko? Yeah, so the next five years, you know, obviously I, I don't look too far ahead, but, um, you know, you want to set up a, a good life for your family, I suppose, and I'm now I'm in the position to do that again. Yeah. Lost that once, yeah. so I'm in their position but again got to do back, that. Mate. So you got it back. It's not often people do get another chance, um, especially at um, you know doing what I'm doing. I suppose, um, you know, hopefully I can you know forge a nice career in radio. Um, you know, Breakfast Radio is a great gig, and um, hopefully everything everything goes well with uh, with Fox and we get a good book. Otherwise, I might. Uh, mm. No, you'll be right, mate. You're killing yeah, it. We'll see how we go. But uh, hopefully, it's in radio and still like doing my other jobs and that. At the end of the day, I'm happy, and you know whatever happens, happens, and just keep my nose clean, mate. Which is uh, which is pretty sure it's going to happen. Is that easy I'm, to do now? Uh, yeah, it is. I suppose I'm 35. Because I'm working every day, I don't even want to go out for a beer. Like it's not like I'm itching it. Like I was sitting at home, I had a couple of wines last night on the Sunday, and 
I was like ready for bed. It was like five thirty. <laughs> so yeah. kids put in your pajamas, and Lulu's like, "Dad, the sun is still <laughs> up." And then it went down at like seven. It went down at seven thirty, <laughs> and I said, "Girls, it's nine o'clock." And Lulu goes, "No, it's not." And I said, "You don't even know what the time is. You can't even read." And she goes, "Well, what I do know, Dad, is the sun just went down. So that means it's not nine o'clock." And I was like, "You're too smart for me, kid." But you just want to uh, hang out with the family and, um, you know, if you, you're going to have a drink or something, you have a bit of a party at your house or a dinner party. And um, So I love when people come over, you have a barbie, you sit around, yep. put the music on, have a few beers and, you know, everyone goes home and they bring their kids and the kids can all run around. And um, So I just got to, uh, whatever gets thrown at me, mate, I'm, you know, I've been through the ups and I've been through the downs mm. and I'm pretty sure whatever comes my way, I can grasp it and uh, move on from there or do what I have to do and um, you know I don't think there's any hurdle that I haven't jumped yet No I, I don't reckon the reason you're talking about your kids I, I always like to finish the Howie games I think we're getting to a natural conclusion um, I'm still shaking my head at some of the stuff you told me, mate. Uh, that, uh, as you know, I've got two kids, Skyzy, who's six, who the operates penguin. under the name of the Pickle, and, and Mackie, who operates as the name of the Big Penguin. Um, and this is the time of the day where I've told them about you and they ask a question. So here is the question <laughs> from the Big Penguin to you. Hi, Big Penguin here. Why didn't you choose to play for the Hawks because you're so good at playing footy? <laughs> um, do I wish I played for the Hawks? A good one from the Penguin. That's a good one. one from the Penguin. Um, no, at the end of the day, I love St Kilda. I got drafted to Carlton, hated Carlton. So when my name got read out, I was like, oh, because Chris Newman, my best mate, who obviously went on to captain Richmond, um, was a massive Carlton man. So I uh, obviously didn't like them because it's my best mate's team. Mm. And then. Um, you know, when I got drafted, my name got read out. I was at the draft. There was only 10 players there at the time. And they gave me my Carlton top, my Carlton hat, and you soon become family. And, you know, the first person I walked in at the club on this Monday morning was uh, Stephen Silvani was the first person who addressed me. And, you know, he's royalty at the Carlton Footy Club. And, um, you know, I'm pretty fortunate I got to play with one of the, you know, the greatest, one of the, well, probably is the greatest team. Yeah. Um, you know, over the 150 something years that it's been going for, won the most premierships, obviously, and um, I'm glad I was be be a part of their history, which was good. Oh well, Penguin, we can't get him across to the Hawks. <laughs> hey, mate, well, the Hawks are going well. A, um, Sorry, Penguin. Really, um, even though he broke for Geelong. No, he doesn't bear for Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Hawks man. Hey, great to sit down with you. Not much I can say except, mate, you've been really open and honest. Um, I hope the aim of this is that the subject, i.e., you in this situation, has enjoyed it. I hope it's been okay to sit back and reflect a bit of what's going on yeah it's been good how i spend three hours with you once a week and now mm. i did another hour so that um overtime yeah this is slightly <laughs> different to what we talk about on the wild is that side sarcasm? no that's good bro um at, at Thanks, this mate. stage i think it's for me to say i love you man i love you man <laughs> good on you Fab. i love you game cheers bro no worries mate i want my money back I want my money back. I want my money back. Just enjoy the show. I want well, that's it for back. episode three of the Howie Games. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Fev. Thanks to Brendan for being so warm and so honest and so open and engaging and explaining a little bit of his story to us. Thanks to Michael James, our wonderful producer. Without MJ, the Howie Games would not be up and running. Thanks to Billy Mystic for providing the tunes all the way over there from Bull Bay in Jamaica. And thanks to you all for listening. Really appreciate your support. Please tell everybody about the Howie Games. Get them to subscribe. The love will come back to you. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Thursday, as always, with Episode 4 of the Howie Games. Until then, thanks for joining us. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try.
If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.